Hey y'all Wastelanders, it's me again, Captain Mal. Out here walking the waste, from the ash heap to the toxic valley, and everywhere in between. To bring together stories of folks just like you, trying to get along in Appalachia. So turn up your pit boy, get cozy with a new Coca-Cola, and join us for Outlaws and Underdogs. I got something real special for y'all this week. I'm back in the forest, bringing you an interview with Elizabeth Roseway, a paramedic with the new responders out there stitching up folks and saving lives. And she's real busy, so let's go. So hi. Hey. Hey. I made it. You look worse for wear. Yeah, uh, it was it was quite the trip. I was. I can tell. It. You've got a lot more scrubs and bruises than one probably should. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the story later on. Uh, you might you might be interested, but I might bother you for a stim or, or two uh, before I leave. If yeah. you don't mind. I don't mind. I mean, that's kind of your job, right? That's your that's your thing. Uh, but it was worth it getting here. I, I love the forest. It's one of my favorite places to just walk around, although it's kind of bittersweet for me being so close to Morgantown, but First of all, tell us who you are. I mean, we know, but tell us how we should think of you. Well, I'm Elizabeth Roseway, current current swing staff paramedic for the the 5-0 new responders. That's that's certainly a job. That's something I'd, I I'd like to talk about that in a little more detail. But before we get there, tell me tell us about this place. I mean. Why here? What what's what's this place about? Well, this is this is just general home for me. I mean, this is where I started setting up right after I came out the vault, and well, it's just kind of been here ever since. It's a nice spot, real peaceful, nice and calm. I, I imagine it's a contrast to working as a paramedic for the responders. <laughs> uh, yeah, most of my job is doing it in the middle of live gunfire so hey yeah i can see how that would be a challenge and kind of a testament to your skill that you're still walking around talking to us eh, people lose eyes people lose limbs somehow yeah. uh, somehow i'm unscathed which is amazing to me at this point well like i said it's probably a testament to how good you are out here i mean you must see a lot doing what you do Right. Oh yeah, this this job introduces you to a lot of evils in the world. Can you expand on that? Like, tell me what you mean by evils, because a lot of people got a lot of different meanings for the word, right? So I mean, you see a lot of it. You see the most grimmest parts of chem addiction, but also sometimes people don't come back after that first appointment and you start asking questions and the next thing you know you find out they're in the they're in the middle of a ditch somewhere the savage divide well i've seen more than a few people in a ditch in the in the divide so i i know he ain't lying but, but you see a lot of scary shit out here what do you think is the, the worst thing you've ever seen the worst thing i've ever seen what's the thing that, that that's the scariest for you just considering all you've experienced. I mean, I've seen a lot of things I can consider scary, and I'm saying that as someone who 
vehemently de decides not to consider stuff scary off the bat, but if I had to generally give a the thing that I think has been the scariest, it was, well, it's an early memory, but it's something I definitely see as terrifying. It was the first time I entered Morgantown Airport. I was fresh out of the vault, young, you know, innocent to the evils of the wasteland at the time. And, well, we, I mean, we've all seen the airport, the bodies, yeah. the scorched corpses, yeah, the I ghosts. Sure I mean, nobody really survived that, so yeah. it's kind of like looking at a dissected slaughter. That's a... That's a phrase for sure. That's, uh. Just imagine what it must be like to come right out of the vault and see something like that. It ain't something they taught you about in there, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the thing us vault babies, we. I mean, vault babies is kind of an apt description that, you know, top staff will, will throw around once in a while. I mean, most of. And I do mean this, most of our top staff and the res new responders is older than me and or predated the war. So I'm in an interesting position of where, you know, being raised by vault tech cur curriculum, it was kind of, I don't want to say sugar-coated, but that would be the best word to s word without getting into a whole sentence full of just misc. But, I mean, we're talking about the fact that that we had entire videos on just social stuff, friendships, mm. I, I mean, talking to people. Oh, did it help? No, it did not help. <laughs> I, I was just, it, just checking, just making sure. It, it, interesting, sure. Interestingly enough, uh, a couple of years later, when I finally, when the overseer finally came back, we did joke about it a lot during that whole uh, vault incident. They call you guys vault babies. You, uh... You're from Vault 76. Yep. I imagine that, regardless of how competent you might be now, you're just about as freaked out as the rest of them coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's a way to put it. I'm gonna be honest. For, uh, I, I mean, the first few days were something, but it was the first hour of getting out that really freaked me out. I mean, we got told things were going to be bad. We told things were going to be nuked into oblivion. Expect everything and then anything all of the time. But all of a sudden, it just became controlled chaos and you just kind of had to slowly introduce yourself to it. Like, I mean, I could just say this one off the top of my head. The first time I saw a Brahmin, Flatwoods, I didn't know what to do. I freaked out. You know, it's funny because tricks, uh, Tricks, who I talked to a few weeks ago, uh, she mentioned Brahmin, too, as being something that freaked her out right out of the vault. Well, I mean, most of our those vault videos did come with <sighs> cutesy interpretations of how things might be, and animals were the big uh, ones. Well, so, that explains a lot. So, for us, it was kind of the complete 180 of just having things not look the way they should. I mean... I mean, it wasn't even just... It wasn't even the fact it had two heads. It was the fact that we were told nothing 
decent was going to survive out here at that point. They didn't, uh, they didn't warn you that the wildlife might be unusual? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we're talking, whatever warnings vault did do, it was very minimal. The bare minimums. I mean, yeah. we're, I mean, we're talking, we got told there might be some mutations. There might be some out-of-control fauna. That was what we got told. We didn't get told that there may be entire, you know, ancient line cryptids possibly hunting us in our sleep. Mm. That's definitely, uh, definitely something you might not want to leave out of your curriculum, but hey, can't I mean, explain Voltec, right? I mean, Voltec didn't fail the entire thing, though. I mean, they gave us the basics. They taught us everything we would practically need to know at that age, and... I do mean that. I mean, most of us who are, who did get born and raised in the vault, we got the, the best education one could possibly hope for out here. But even then, you know, it had its flaws. Were you, uh, were you in medical training in the vault before you oh, left? Oh, yeah. Went into medical as soon as I could. Was I, mean, I, I mean, it was pretty early on. It was, I mean... You could really start going in for courses at 16, but even before that, I was pretty much following my own mother's footsteps. She got put into the medical position in the vault pretty early on. I mean, we're talking when everyone was starting to divvy up jobs and we knew stuff had to get done. She was pretty much one of the first elected people on, on the list. That's pretty impressive. I must say, family history of helping people, I guess, so... When the responders found you, it was more a case of talent finding me more than uh, anything, or... I mean, yes, no. I mean, it's weird. I mean, there wasn't something like what I have now, and it's created a very interesting scenario. My... Before I really joined up with the new, new responders, Saving people was a one-off situation of where if I even encountered a person that needed saving, and even then, that implied that person even wanted to talk at all. But now, there's a lot more opportunity for it, which is presenting me a very interesting issue of where that actual live training is only helping me so much now. I mean, I imagine you had to learn a whole other type of medicine, or is it the same out here? I mean... I mean, back in the vault, we... I mean, back in the vault, we got taught how to deal with almost everything. vault Tech had an entire system of what happens if someone caught a plague-like disease, what happens with allergies. I mean, some of those actually did come in handy. Mm. I mean, I mean I, I've talked to some about this one to Riker, but Larry Forrest was in his 50s. Weirdest thing. I get a call saying this man's having an allergic reaction to peanut butter. And he's in his 50s. And you'd think, well, shouldn't he have known about the allergies? <laughs> but no, he just magically got it. That's uh, definitely different than uh, different stuff than you'd expect. Yeah, and I mean, it, they were all controlled cases. They really weren't those kinds of cases of where you're like, oh, you know, this person may or may not die. Everyone had some 
something go wrong in the vault. Everyone did. But at the end of the day, it was all controlled stuff. You kind of expected it. Allergies, mm. the occasional flu, that stuff was easy. Out here, I am either amputating, stim packing, and or just fully removing stuff. That's, yeah, that's about more in line with what I imagine it must be. I mean, I was going to ask, I mean, tell us what it's like to be a medical person out here. I mean, everyone else is focused on survival and scavenging or what have you, but you are out here actively trying to help people survive the stuff that's out here trying to kill them. So, I I'm, mean, what's, that, what's a day in your life like when you're working? I mean, for me, working is, it, it, at one point it becomes more than just, you know, my job. It becomes just a passion at that point. I mean, I I don't come off it as a lot of the times because I am by all design analytical in my nature, but I care for people. I know for a lot of people who I've talked to, if it doesn't come off that immediately, but I do care. The issue is, caring is often exhausting, and that also means exhausting in how I treat people. I mean, listen, anyone can put a stim pack into an arm and fix a broken arm, right? Mm. Like, that that's the easy stuff. That's, it, that's by all means the survival out here. But for me, when I wake up in the morning, I'm hoping someone didn't get shot in the eye, and I have to cover uh. that up and tell them they're blind now. Yeah, I had that conversation on the other end quite a while I mean, ago, so... Because, I mean, listen, no doctor in the wasteland wants to wake up and wants to deal with these this stuff. But we do. Hmm. You know, it's... It, it's one of those things of where you kind of hope everything's going to be okay, but deep down inside, you know something is probably going wrong on the other side of the wasteland. I mean, we have raiders, we have super mutants... Hmm. I mean, people are worse off, and whether or not that means they can actually get help for it, completely different discussion. I mean, I mean, come on now, we're talking about the fact that, I mean, if you're in the middle of the cranberry bog, and the next, and the only doctor you can see is, like, all the way in the Savage Divide, you've got a walk to go to, and that's, even if you survive the walk. Yeah. That's, that's why I was talking about, you know, Liking to run around and be on the outside and make sure people, if people need help, they can get in touch with y'all. Which actually uh, leads me to a whole other question uh, that I was going to ask you later, but it's a real good place to put it in. How do we, we meaning, you know, people out in the wasteland, if somebody needs help, how do they, can they get in touch with you? Is there a, is there a way to call for help or... Is it just I mean, luck, you know, hoping to run I into mean, you? at that point, the best way to go through it is the responders directory in Flatwoods. Is that, is that still active? Is that still... Oh, uh, yeah, we got to... it back and running. Oh, wow. That's some impressive work uh, as well. <laughs> for sure. Yeah that, yeah, that entire incident was weird. It was also the same time I met, met Dutch and Selena, which is weird, because Selena's a whole rank above me. And, well... That entire incident just really cemented how much weirder things were going to be when I actually started to get to know her. Now, you want to tell us who these people are for those of us who don't know? Or well, I mean, I mean, we're talking the one people in 
term I'm referring to is Lieutenant Dutch Walker and Sergeant Selena Kane, who were in the, the group way before me. I mean, way before me. These two have been doing this for a long time in the pecking order. Uh, they came because, well, by all means, Field Commander Anders and Commander Johns just sadly can't be everywhere mm. in two places all at once. Fair enough. Now, by all means, Dutch keeps saying he shouldn't be here, he should be dealing with the real work, but uh, we have reason to believe he has a soft spot for us. I mean, he's cared enough to actually show up. What's the real work? Uh, The real work entitles all of the messy stuff with cultists, raiders, and and the new Appalachian state government. Yeah, that's... uh... So that's something that you have to deal with, obviously. If you get people, say, who have injured, and maybe they're raiders or what have you, will y'all still come and help? Or is there a process? I mean, I mean, do you worry that you're going to get attacked if you do that? I mean, that's always a worry when we do the job. I mean, it's just... The worry itself comes with every mission. You don't know what you're getting into, especially if it's one of those low intel missions of where the bare minimum has been given. But it becomes a very big thing of where you know there's someone who needs help, and if they're a raider, deal with it as you go. I mean, the thing about it is every raider has committed a crime in some way, whether it be murder itself and or the worst of the variety. It doesn't become a lot more more than just, well, if they're a raider, they should merely just be shot in the head. It becomes a conversation of, well, what does this raider actually do? And more importantly, can we put them on trial for it? So you do try to enforce some kind of old law. You hold people to some kind of standard of what? Uh, what what's your standard for crime? I mean, I'm in a really weird position of where I can even say any of this, because I'm not the original founders of that law, you know? It's, I mean, the thing about it is, when when command staff was around, and they're all, all pretty much before the war, mm. they all watched the regular laws that governed America. They knew all those laws from beginning to end. Most of most of the people in the responders right now who are older were from the original firefighters, police force, and paramedics. So uh, they know that from the back of their hand straight off. I mean, we're talking, it's it's the bare minimum of rules. Like, if you murder someone, that's a crime. Theft is a crime. But also, there's those really kind of nitty-gritty situations of where you kind of have to base it off of what's actually going on at the time. Yeah, I can see that. Because, I mean, listen, I don't think any of of pre-war laws could really physically enforce something out here right now in this wasteland. So Yeah, that's at least that's practical. I yeah, mean. so we get into a really weird position of where we can only enforce so much as far as the power we currently have. That makes sense. Well, I mean, we've all done stuff we ain't proud of, I guess, out mm-hmm. here. At least most of us have. In the early days, at least. Unless yeah. we got real, real lucky, so... It's hard to kind of see where the baseline for that is, because, say, 
somebody's killed and then they change their ways and get along without hurting anybody else. Are they still killers that you think need to be brought to some kind of, you know, accountability or I does mean, it not matter because it's a matter of survival? I mean, I can speak on my own terms of this, but, you know, I got desperate a couple of months. I did have to steal the to even get the baseline of survival sometimes. Yeah, but, I was going to ask, uh, but go on and, and I'll ask you when you're, when you're done. But, I mean, you know, for us especially, it's, you know, it, it's more of, can we actually convict you right now? Because, you know, especially with the command staff, they know that a lot of that stuff is, well, got done during some pretty desperate times for everybody. Mm. So it puts us all in a weird position of where we know there were crimes, but, you know, there are currently killers that need to be dealt with right now. Mm. I mean, we have active serial killers, and it's like, do we really yeah, want to be dealing with, you know, the incident five years ago from when someone stole purified water, or do we want to mm. be dealing with the serial killer right now? Alright, well, at least that, that makes sense. I mean, that, that seems logical, at least. I mean, going back to what you were saying... Tell us about Liz. Uh, you don't mind if I call you Liz, right? That's, that's yeah. okay. Uh, tell us about the early Liz. Like, tell us about the first day you were out of the vault. Like, that craziness that, that you didn't <sighs> know what you were looking at. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, if you're uncomfortable, obviously, don't you tell us too much. But no, I can tell that tale pretty well, I think. I mean, I mean it might help some people to hear it. I mean, picture this. You're young. You've been raised in a tin can your entire life. And all of a sudden, after a five-year wait, you've been waiting for the signal your the, the last five years after 20 years of previous waiting. And all of a sudden, the overseer comes over the intercom and says, we have it all clear signal. We can finally leave the vaults. And all of a sudden, everything goes weirdly cold. And then all of a sudden, we're having a party. And then the next morning, you wake up, and your parents and everyone you you knew and care about mysteriously have left the vault. And you're all alone with a bunch of Mr. Handys in there. Mm. We Weird things. And you slowly walk out with a new camp model in your, your arms. The bare minimum, not even a, a single gun or bullet to your name. And as soon as you walk out, the door closes behind you. There's no way to get back in. Everything you know up to that point is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Whatever you had before is just gone. It, it's in there now. It's not coming out with you. And then immediately so, you start getting blasted with lasers from little tiny robots with red uh, stars. Yeah. Oh, I know them real well. Yep. I mean, that was just the bare minimum of what started happening. I mean, yeah, it was crazy back in the the first couple of years. I mean, it, now we're in a very nice place of where, you know, I can, me and others can help new vault dwellers coming out. That wasn't the position we were in a couple of years ago. No way. I mean, we're talking, everyone just kind of kept their distance from each other. Nobody really wanted to, to talk to each other. Everyone was desperate. And I mean, that's not even beginning to, to slow the, the whole and thing I was tracking down I mean sure 
maybe it was a little wrong sneaking into the overseer's office at, when she was gone from the vault. But it uh, led me to to learn more about her than I would have thought. I mean, tracking her story down and also tracking down a way to end the Scorched Plague were just multiple things on my mind at the time. And that's not even getting into the problems that were slowly developing as I went to go find them. Mm. That is true, I suppose. I mean, you think about it. You kind of, at that point, you were, you'd be kind of hoping, you know, people would have just kind of started forming, you know, groups at that point. And people were, but but not like they are today. I mean... Yeah, it weren't real welcoming uh, a while back. Yeah, Appalachia was a very scary monster, and it wasn't because of the of the mole rats, the super mutants, and the cryptids. It was because of the people. Yeah, that's... It's a sad thing to say, but there was a time when you might be more afraid of who'd shoot you walking down the walking down the road than what might bite you, so... Because, I mean, I've seen it myself sometimes. I saw people getting to, to actual fights just over a thing of purified water. That's yeah. how bad it was. It's like... Yeah. People didn't didn't really want to talk about it back then. People sure as hell don't like to talk about it now, but it was desperate times. And, you know, even for me, I was... Now I'm going to admit this. I'm not really well in the physical department. But even then, my brain told me I had to start thinking of stuff quick. Sure, I got the bare essentials in time, got well off later then, but that doesn't mean the first few months were peaceful. I mean... Can I be honest? I was afraid to go into the mire. Yeah, well, I thought you know you weren't wrong. You ain't wrong. I mean that that's definitely a reasonable position to have. I mean, for the longest time, you know, I'd heard horror stories about the place, so I always avoided it. But at one point, when my whole investigation with the free state started going down, I had to step in there. I had no choice at that point. And what was it like the first time? It was. It's hard to describe. You, it wasn't like it is now. There wasn't, you know, people shouting off in the distance. It was all just noise. It was just animals. It wasn't. It was just all untamed, and you can tell like something was wrong here, but you didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it still feels like that a lot of the time. I, I do know where I mean, then again, from. you have the free states occupying it, which makes it a little bit more peace of mind, but even then, it's not 100% calm. Well, you mentioned the free states a couple times now. Um, you must know that I recently had a talk with Harlan Kincaid. Oh, yeah, I heard. So, uh, tell me your point of view on this sort of uneasy tension you have going on like y'all want to know where he is real bad but how come well see this is kind of that weird position i'm in of where i'm not really the first that should be speaking on this mike that would be one private jack riker's biggest position he well if we really wanted to start with a history lesson Harlan Kincaid is a pre-war terrorist who notably was very well off against the government from everything I've heard, read, and seen. Like, we're talking this man committed a lot of bad stuff against innocent people. 
Yeah, we kind of had that talk, uh, but, uh, go on, uh. Well, the day, well, a 1 October 21st, 77, a very 25-year-old young Jack Riker gets put on a special assignment, hunt down Harlan Kincaid near, near the new Vault 76, what Jack did not realize is that the, in a matter of hours, nuclear hellfire would be raining down and the overseer would, would pull him in just to save his life. Mm. That sounds uh, sounds like the beginning of a real interesting story. <laughs> yeah, Jack worked for Vault Security for a good number of years. I mean, he was... I don't know if he can just not lay off the job or this is just his real calling at this point. You seem like you have a real lot of people who've been real devoted to this line of work for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, for as long as I can remember, all I've heard from Upper Command is just stories about pre-war stuff going down in, in the force with the firefighters. It's There's been a lot of stories. Yeah, no, I, 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 I believe that. I mean, I've heard things just traveling around. People talk about y'all. Um, mostly good things, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, I was strangely, just saying, you know, even I can admit we have our bluff ups, bluff ups at times. You know, even I can admit that. Well, uh, it was making me think. Do you remember somebody that you helped that you might not have thought who would remember you, but somebody who really sort of changed your way of thinking, or somebody that sticks in your mind? I, I mean, we've helped a lot of people. And I mean, a lot of people. And that's good for people to know, by the way. It's a good thing for y'all they listen to know. I mean, for us, for us, it really wasn't, isn't really the memory of being remembered itself. But, I mean, if there's, I mean, we've, I mean, we've helped people. I can't, I can't remember a lot of the names. I can remember a lot of the faces, which is probably a bad thing at this point. But even then... If I had to recall one person, I mean, there's been a lot of people. There's been a whole lot of people. I mean, I'd have to say it's just been the number of the fact that we've helped just random wasters who've been out there. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are more than a few people out there who are alive still walking around. Because, you know, happen to be, y'all happen to be crossing paths at that particular moment. So, I'm sure it's it's a lot more people than you than you remember even. Yeah, that's the thing about the job. You help so many people, uh, everything just kind of starts getting melded together unless there's something, like, really special about, like, an incident. Like, the serial killer stuff? You can remember that off the top of your head. You either got scarred and or hurt that day. Pretty rememberable. Normal it's call? Different story. It's amazing to think that y'all are having these adventures, these encounters, and across the wasteland there are people who have no idea that y'all are going through this you know, <laughs> or that you're trying to fight to maybe do good so to speak you know as it goes and someone you might be helping in a month is out there somewhere now not having any idea that you know their future pretty much hangs on you living through what's happening right now I mean it's, it's I, amazing I'm, to think of a part of that's just a part of the job I mean if we're you know, if we're talking the fact that, you know, our entire job is to keep the wasteland peaceful, it's just to keep it 
you know, livable, sustainable, then there's going to be a lot of incidents that, you know, we just don't talk about. We keep on the down low. That's just the number of the job. I mean, there are going to be things of where we can't tell the sins, sins of Appalachia immediately what just happened because of time sensitivity or just we just can't let outside forces know right now. I mean, think about it. We have prom problems with the Enclave and the Raiders knowing too much for their own good to where it's become a problem. I mean, sure, Modus is a giant supercomputer that maybe should not have the information he does. But at the same time, you don't want to give your enemies too much of where they shouldn't know anything at all. So we've talked a lot about your work with the responders. We haven't really spent a lot of time talking about how you got to them to begin with. I mean, you said you were pretty freaked out when you first came out of the vault. You were by yourself, so how did that happen? Did they find you? Well, I mean, there's technically two finding stories there. I mean, I didn't get the jumpsuit when I joined with the 5-0. I actually got the jumpsuit way before that. I mean, we're talking, this is during the the early days, and uh, I don't know what it was, but that this jumpsuit, it's it kind of called to me in a way. Maybe it was because the responders were exactly what I was looking for at the time, and maybe I just needed something to represent at the time. Or maybe it was just the complete sense of I needed to get out of my vault suit as soon as possible. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, and then actually meeting staff was a different endeavor. Here's the thing. I was not expecting to find a signal broadcasting that a, a whole group of responders existed. I didn't. I just didn't. I mean, it, it seemed nuts to me at the time. And what do you know? I wasn't the only one. I mean, Mal, you, you know this person and everyone else would be listening to this would know crow was actually there with me oh yeah that's uh that sounds like a story oh yeah getting a whole turn the whole flatwoods registry back online was not a walk in the park but it got me a sense of what i was going to be dealing with when i did meet meet dutch and selena so you found them it was more of a weird uh, us finding each other. They were looking for recruits. I was looking for family. It kind of became this weird scenario of where we just kind of ended up running into each other and huh. made the entire thing work along the way. You know, it's it's funny you say that. You uh, you said a little earlier that maybe you were just looking for something to represent. And it got me thinking that a lot of folks out here might be having that same problem. You, you talk about helping folks no matter who they are or where they came from. So I think that's a good thing for people to know if they're listening out there that if they maybe need to get help and they're afraid to reach out or afraid to call if they're desperate. I mean, I think the biggest problem of all is everyone out here is trying to look and act tough, but we all need help eventually. Even I've had to make calls like that. You had to make calls for help yourself? Yeah, even I have. 
Do you want to tell that story? Because that sounds uh, like a rare occurrence. I, something I'd definitely like to hear more about. It's been the... When you're looking for a sheep squatch that's been terrorizing a community for the last couple mm. of weeks, and you end up falling down and almost breaking what's left of your leg, yeah, yeah. you kind of need help at that point. Yeah. Damn. I can definitely see that, for sure. And yet you're out here still doing it, and you wander around sometimes just looking for folks, or you yeah, wait for I mean, I mean, I'm always traveling around the main road. That's the big road one. Then again, uh, the smaller paths aren't hard to take either. So if somebody sees you and they recognize you or maybe, you know, hears you talking and recognize your voice after this, they can reach out to you for help. Yeah, give a hoot and a holler. Definitely. Uh, keep that in mind, folks. If you're alone out there and you need some help, don't be afraid to ask for it. That's how we're keeping each other alive right now is, is reaching out. So... Liz, what would you tell people out there? I know we've heard people say that weapons are the best thing or what kind of ammo to use, but what would you say to somebody who's trying to stay alive out here like you were? What what would be your best advice for them? Weapons and ammo are completely useless if you're just if you have a broken limb. Mm. Learn what you can about about y- yourself, your body, and what the hell goes into your body. That's that's some good advice, actually. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people don't see value in books at this point, but hey, if you fi- if you find one of those somehow unscathed medical books, I actually bother to read up on them. It could save your life. It's definitely something to consider. Know your limits. You know, don't go jumping off a roof if you ain't prepared for the broken legs. I guess. I mean, if you can jump off the roof good for you, but not everyone can. Good point. That is a good point. Do you, uh, what would you say to somebody who might be out there in a desperate situation right now looking for help? What, what would you tell them? Look for those you wouldn't expect to get help from. I know that sounds uh, a little weird, but sometimes you find help in unusual places. Huh. That's, I guess, definitely how you make new friends, for sure. Or, uh, you know, something like that. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say? You told us so much, and you've definitely given us a a whole new perspective on life out here. I mean, it's one thing to hear about living in it. It's a whole other thing to hear about helping other folks live in it, so. (laughs) I mean, I think I've told what I can. Then again, if you do see me on the road and you want to hear some more helpful advice, who knows? Well, we could definitely, uh... I might find you again and ask you for some specific advice. Maybe I'll track you down and do a special broadcast of Rose Way's advice to folks out there who might not know what they're doing or something with a shorter title, I guess. But, you know, you know, it's, it's a thought that counts. Well, thanks for taking your time out of your life to tell us all this. We're real uh, grateful. I'm surprised I even had time. Yeah, that me too. That's why I'm real grateful that you did. Um, but before I go, um, you don't have a, a stamp pack laying around or anything just that you can spare. Uh, I think we should get you inside first. Uh, there's a, still a lot of wild critters out here that may or may not smell the blood. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh.